It's my privilege to speak to you today, so thank you. So um, <clears throat> we, today we're going to be looking at the story of Noah. Uh, it's found in Genesis chapters 6 to 9. We will not be reading through all those chapters now or looking at all the story even or focusing on every detail of that story. What are we going to be doing? Instead, we're going to be concentrating on Noah's faith in action. That's what our series is about, faith in action. And we're looking at Noah. So let's go back a little bit. Before Noah is on the scene, there's God. And God creates. And God makes everything. And God makes Adam and Eve. He make, let us make mankind in our image. And there is God in paradise, the Garden of Eden, with Adam and Eve, the most perfect context and situations to have a friendship with God, to walk with God, to be in relationship with him. However, in the midst of that perfection, they disobeyed God. They did wrong in God's sight and they hid from God. The relationship was broken because they followed the way of the serpent rather than the way of the Lord God. Eventually, Adam and Eve were sent from Eden uh, so that they wouldn't eat from the tree of life and stay in that sinful state for all eternity. God sent them out. And then we, they sent out, and then we've got the story of, uh, of Cain and Abel. And God says to Cain, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. But he didn't master it, and he killed his brother. Then we have a long list of people in the family line from Adam to Noah. Chapter 5, Genesis, and then we come to chapter 6 of Genesis and we meet with Noah. And when we meet with Noah, we meet him in a, well, a terrible situation. So in our Bibles, if we look at Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. So the Lord God saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth and saw that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Verse 6, the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled, filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. Verse 11. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on the earth, had corrupted their ways. God was deeply troubled. God was sad. God was grieved. His heart was full of pain. Mankind's sin is God's sorrow. 
The perfect father is upset by the way his children are behaving and acting. And then verse 8 says, But Noah. Everyone say, But Noah. But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 9. Noah was a righteous man, a blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. He walked with God. Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. He was not perfect, but he did walk with God. You know, Noah was the odd man out. He was the exception to the rule. There was no one else on the earth like Noah because Noah walked with God. The whole world was wicked and evil, but not Noah because he didn't conform to the pattern of the world around him. He walked with God. He had fellowship with God. He knew God. He was a friend of God. He had intimacy with God. Noah was different because he met with God. He walked with God. The most important thing any of us can ever do with our lives is to walk with God. Noah had faith in God and that pleased God. For we know it's impossible to please God apart from faith. So he was completely different from anyone else in his generation. It seems that he was the only one who had faith in God. Maybe not even his family. Because he doesn't mention that. They, they may have had faith in Noah. They believed in Noah, but they didn't have faith in God. You know, I know it's, this is a hard question to answer. But if you were the only person who had faith in God, would you still believe? Would you still trust him? Would you still walk with him? Would you still be his friend and carry on in the face of everyone else's pressure who did not walk with God? There must have been a terrible pressure and temptation on Noah to conform to the world that was around him. Yeah, because of no one was following God. But having said that, Adam and Eve were in the most perfect conditions to walk with God. And yet, they didn't resist temptation. They disobeyed God. So, you know, whatever the circumstance Whatever the situation, whatever the temptation that comes our way, we can be attempted to abandon God. So when you get those feelings inside of you that says, yeah, but it's all right for them. It's all right for them because they don't have to go through what I am going through. Just remind yourself, conditions do not matter. Situations do not matter. Circumstances do not matter matter, I've got a choice. Am I going to walk with God no matter what? It's your choice. No one else can live the life of friendship with God that you've got with God apart from you. No one else can live it for you. It's got to be 
your choice. So don't blame other people for your lack of walking with God. Just sort it out. (laughs) You know, we can find that we're the odd person out. I don't know where you're the odd person out because you're walking with God. It might be in your family. No one else in your family is walking with God. It might be in a certain friendship group. No one else is walking with God. It might be in your workplace. No one else is walking with God. And, And the temptation you face to compromise, to go and join with the crowd and be just like them, it's real. But remind, do you know what? Noah, he, he didn't compromise. He had faith in God and walked in God, even when the whole world didn't. At least we've got the encouragement of each other. Amen? Amen. Now, in God's grief, in God's pain, in God's suffering, he spoke to Noah. Verse 13, please, Jill. So, God says to Noah... I am going to put an end to all people, for this earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. It reminds me of uh, John's Gospel, John 15, 15. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says this, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. Noah walks with God. Noah is God's friend. And so God tells Noah things. He lets him in on what he's going to do. God talked with God because they had a relationship. They spent time together in close proximity, close enough to walk and talk and do life together. God confided in Noah. He let him know what was happening, what was going on. And then he says, do you know what, Noah? I will give you something that will save you and your family. Here's my plan. You will need to cooperate with me. You will need to partner with me. This is what you've got to do. Uh, Genesis 6, 14. So this is what you've got to do. Make yourself an ark. You know, and the famous line is, okay, God, what's an ark? So, make yourself an ark. And then it goes down in the book of Genesis, chapter 6. God says to Noah, Make yourself an ark, and I want you to give it rooms, and I want to coat coat it with pitch inside, and you've got to build it like this. And then there's lists and measurements and details. God gives his blueprint to Noah. He tells him exactly what he's going to do, and he's saying, you're going to be kept alive in it. And verse 22 says, Noah did everything... As God commanded him. Noah did everything as God commanded him. It's good to walk with God and it's good to do what God commands us. Hebrews 11 verse 7, the first part says this, By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. 
by faith. We looked at faith last week, didn't we? Now, I don't know what God, uh, sorry, what Noah was doing with his life. I imagine he was quite a busy chap. And then he heard this message from God. And he must have had to stop what he was doing in order to dedicate himself to what he heard God say. Even though Noah couldn't physically see what, was God, what God was saying, he didn't see it physically, but by faith he saw it. By faith he believed the word of God and he put his faith into action. Noah was sure of what he hoped for and certain of what he did not see. And it's this, he was convinced that God would save him, that God would rescue him and his family from the coming judgment and he was going to dedicate his life to partnering with God. He built it by faith because he was warned by God and he built it in holy fear. In holy fear, Noah built an ark to save his family. When I was 14 years old, um, I had a motorbike. For those of you who are interested, I know it was a, it was a Honda C90, step through. It was a good little bike. And I used to ride it round over the fields. Anyway, one day I was at home, I was messing with the bike, and, um, and then I quickly sort of whizzed up the road over this field. And then one thing I need to, or a few things I need to tell you. Firstly, I wasn't wearing a crush helmet. Secondly, it didn't have any insurance. Thirdly, it didn't have any MOT and it wouldn't have got one anyway. And I was 14, so I didn't have a license. So don't do this at home, kids. Anyway, I whizzed up, I came back, and do you know what? On my estate, I don't think I'd ever seen a policeman before. I don't think I'd ever seen a patrol car before. But as I whizzed back, crossed the field, over the road, down my path, Eek. police car drove up and he was just staring at me and I thought oh no I'm in trouble so he gets out of the car and he looks at me he looks at the house and he says are your parents in and I thought oh no my mum and dad the fear of mum and dad came all over me forgot about the copper oh no what are they and, and he said, are they in? I went, no. He said, if they were in, would you have just done what you did? I'm going, no way. And he must have seen my face, seen the fear of parents all over me, gave me a verbal warning and then drove away. Man, I was lucky. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm not afraid. I wasn't afraid of my mum and dad. I knew that they loved me and I loved them. But I knew that what I'd done was wrong in their sight. They would not have been happy. They weren't happy, I can tell you when I told them. And that is why the fear came over me. I was afraid of the consequences that my doing wrong, my upsetting them, my disappointing them, my making them feel sad and probably felt feeling a bit fearful of what I might have done, making them feel a bit angry, and me just not representing them well. A fear came upon me. Noah, in holy fear, built
built an ark to save his family. You know, Noah was more concerned with what God was saying and doing than what people were saying and doing. Or to say it another way, Noah feared God more than he feared other people. The fear of the Lord, the Bible says, is the beginning of wisdom. And you know what? We can be okay about talking about fear of the Lord as being respectful of God or in awe of God or in having some reverence of God and some wonder of God, some worship of God. But we, we refrain from talking about being scared of God. And I wonder if we've got it wrong. I was scared of my mum and dad who loved me, whom I respected. If I'd have thought about my parents, if I'd have thought about them and what they would think about my actions and behaviour, if I'd have really considered it, I wouldn't have done it. I would have pushed my bike like I used to over to the field and rode it there, maybe just as illegally, but it just felt okay. At least I wasn't on the road. I wouldn't have done it. So what about us taking into account God? Submitting to him in holy fear, going, what does God think? What would good God say? How is this going to affect God if I do this or that or the other? Fear of God is the foundation of a disciplined and holy life. It will stop us upsetting God and getting into trouble. For example, what if I don't have that thing, whatever that thing is, or that person that I want in my life? What if I've got a fear that I might lose that person or that thing? My precious. I couldn't possibly live without that. But our fear of God will help us to worship him only and serve him only so that we're not living with an idol in our lives. To fear God means to reject every other fear that wants to control and dominate us. If we fear God, we need not fear anything else. Maybe, for example, um, I believe uh, the fear, I will never have enough. I will never have enough. I will never have enough money. Do you know what? I will be tempted to hold on tightly to what I've got for fear of lack. But my fear of God will cause me to be generous and to share generously because I fear God more than I fear Lack. Do you understand? So the fear of God in our lives will enable us to overcome all other fears and be the people he made us to be. To fear God means that we recognise him as creator, sustainer, judge, saviour, provider, deliverer, whatever else. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we know that God is faithful. And as we look at Noah's life, we recognise that's what he did. 
He lived by holy fear. And because of that holy fear, he built an ark. Now, it sounds simple. When we read it, go and build yourself an ark. And so Noah did everything the Lord commanded him. Neat and tidy. Lovely. But just think about that. It must have been a massive journey of, of faith. God's instructions, I can be louder. God's instructions, God's instructions don't always make sense. In the situation and the circumstance we are in, when God says something, it doesn't always make sense to us. But because of faith, we look to him. You know, when we stopped Kids Club and Jelly Tots, those of you know about that, it was a step of faith to do something that we thought, what? But it was what God was saying. And so Noah, rather than going, what God? He just did what he said, rather than looking at the circumstances and situations. So let's have a think about it. You know, the ark, the ark was really big. When I tried to do some research about it, the only picture it would give you was in American football fields. One and a half American football fields. So Drew... You understand what we're talking about. Is that bigger than one and a half football pitches? About the same? Close enough. Okay. So it's about one and a half football pitches. And um, in length, it's taller than four-story buildings. It would have taken a long time to build the ark. They, he didn't have any modern machinery. He couldn't just pop down to the local DIY store and get some timber. How'd you get timber? Oh, oh, we've got to start cutting down some trees and chopping them up and doing loads and loads and loads of work to be done. Now, Genesis chapter 5, verse 32 says this. Noah was 500 years old when he became the father of Shem, Ham and Japheth. Genesis 7, verse 6 says, When Noah was 600 years old, the floodwaters came on the earth. So we had these boys... 500 years old. He entered the ark, floodwaters, 600 years old. So there's a 100-year gap, yeah? Okay? So there's a 100 years between having kids and being on the ark. So, but when he goes on the ark, he's got grown-up kids who have got wives as well. So scholars reckon that a good guess, not exact, a good guess of how long it would have taken would be between roughly 55 years and 75 years to build it, roughly, roughly. That's a long time. That's quite a time to commit to a project, a DIY project at that. <laughs> so you've had all of that challenge. The other challenge is, is that where does Noah live? Noah lives in a landlocked country. He's hundreds of miles away from any body of water, any ocean, any sea. He's in a place of dry land. Um, Noah has never seen rain. Hasn't rained up to this point. Genesis tells us the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth. That was back in chapter 2. But there were some streams or a mist that came up and watered the earth. So, challenge there. So, we've got the challenge of those things. And then what about the workforce? Who's going to be the labour force? And how are they going to be paid for? And how are they going to pay for the materials? And who's going to get them? And how did it all happen? 
much. It's not there. It doesn't tell us. But what we do know is that there was great wickedness, that there was corruption, and there was violence in the people of our earth, and they didn't walk with God. What a workforce to choose from. So, you know, you think you've got hard times employing new people. No one else was walking with God. It must have been so challenging to know. Think of the mocking. Have you ever been on a building site? Have you ever worked on a building site? Can you imagine being the only believer in God on a building site and everyone knew it? And you were the boss and they were working for you. Can you imagine the pressure? And then, of course, there's Noah explaining to these people that that God was going to bring judgment on the earth. He was going to bring a flood. And this ark that we're building, it's the only means of God's salvation. Noah's message would have been foolishness to those listening. Mocking, laughter, having a go at Noah all the time. Noah must have been a complete, stupid idiot of the place. Noah's bonkers, but anyway. 1 Corinthians 1.18, Paul says this, For the message of the cross of Jesus is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The cross of Jesus Christ means everything to us. He's our saviour, our healer, our redeemer, our friend. The cross has done it for us. Hallelujah. And yet, to most people, we're mad. John 3, 36 says this, Whoever believes in the Son, Jesus, has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. 1 John 5, 12, Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Challenging stuff. It's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith is involved. At the time of Noah, faith was involved. The only means of salvation was the ark. Now, today, the only means of salvation is Jesus. 2 Peter 2 5 says this, but sorry, that Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others were saved. Noah, a preacher of righteousness. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. By his life, by his works, by his words, he preached to that generation. And he was right. They were wrong and he was right. But apart from his family who went with him, no one else came with him. They missed the boat, literally. This is the only means of salvation. Yeah, all right, Noah. (laughs) Very good. Yeah, you get, yeah, the whole world's going to flood, Noah. Yeah. Fantastic. But when the floods came, God's word was proved true. 
Noah's faith was vindicated and the world's unbelief was judged. And it's going to happen again. God used Noah and his family to give humanity a restart, a new start. So we've been looking at Noah, we've been focusing on Noah's faith. And I just want to highlight two major themes in this story. God's judgment, God's judgment of sin, God's judgment of wickedness, God's judgment of evil. And the good news of God's salvation and deliverance for those who trust in him. It's the same message that we've got today. It's a different story. But people of faith in God have got a message to bring to other people by our works, by the way we live and by our words. It's a picture of what God has done through Jesus Christ. Jesus has lived for us. He died for us. He rose again from the dead for us. He sent down the Holy Spirit for us to deal with the wickedness and the evil and the sin and death that is in this world. And so that we can be born again to new life now, being able to walk with God now and a new secure home with God in heaven forever. Hallelujah. And salvation, let's be sure, salvation is found in no one else. It's only in Jesus. There is no other name given to mankind by which we must be saved. It's Jesus. 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 Jesus is the one we proclaim and declare and live out. Now, Noah and his family were saved by the ark. He lived in the ark with all those animals and all his family. And we know a thing or two about being in lockdown, don't we? He was in lockdown for a year on that ark with all of that lot. What was the first thing he did when he got out? He worshipped the Lord his God. He built an altar. I'm glad I didn't hear that. I have built an altar. And taking some of the clean animals that he had with him, he sacrificed burnt offerings to God. He made an altar. He worshipped. He thanked. He praised. He was saved and his family with him. And so we are to be a people who continually praise and worship our God in the variety of ways that worship can manifest itself. We are to be those that walk with God and worship God and have a holy fear so that we do all that he says. So, we've been looking at part of Genesis chapter 6 to chapter 9. We've been looking at Noah's faith in action. I'm just going to do a little recap, and then I've got some questions for us. So, Noah, by faith, Noah was sure of what he hoped for and certain of what he didn't see. God would rescue him and his family from the coming judgment 
and put him in a better place. By faith, Noah pleased God. By faith, Noah realised that the world that he was living in was not to be held onto. It needed to go. By faith, Noah understood the past, creator God. He looked to the future. There is hope in God of a much better future. And he, and he, sorry, and he lived in the present by walking with God in relationship with him. Noah's faith came from accepting God's word. He believed the message that came to, it, to him. Noah took God at his word. And you know what? He couldn't even test it with other believers. So thank God we've got each other. Thank God we've got the scriptures. Thank God we've got each other. Thank God we've got the Holy Spirit that we can discern what God is saying to us. By faith, Noah thought... It is right to walk with God rather than with going with the flow of the world around him. It would be so easy to go with the world around me, but I've figured this. Walking with God is a better way to live. Walking with God is the right way to live. Actually, walking with God is the only way to live. There is no other true life apart from walking in with God. It's the most important thing to walk with God thought Noah, that's why he did it in the face of all the stuff. By faith, Noah obeyed God, built an ark and lived in it with all that God brought, brought with him, all that God brought to him in that year of lockdown. And by faith, when he got out of the ark, he worshipped God. And in holy fear, Noah partnered with God. Now, God probably is not going to ask you to build an ark. He gave us the rainbow. He promised he would never flood the earth again. But God does want you and me, I'm not excluding myself, us, to walk with him. God wants to be your friend God wants to be your friend. Your creator wants to be your friend. Our friend, the people of God. Now it's been said that God walks at three miles an hour. We talk about walking with God and it doesn't have to be literal to actually walk. But you know, there's something about walking that slows you down, keeps you at a steady pace and you can converse with someone without getting out of breath. Walking is a gift in the natural, and walking is a gift in the spirit, because we get to be close with God, intimate with God, knowing God, being a friend of God. It's the most important thing for us to walk with God. So we must slow down. Slow down, get rid of distractions and spend time with Father God. And God does want us to cooperate with him by faith, to partner with him and to be obedient to what he says. Fearing him rather than people or situations. Some of us 
need to crucify people-pleasing, being more concerned about what someone else thinks about us than we do ourselves or God or others. You know what I'm talking about. You know that deep down in the recesses of your heart, you've got issues that God wants to deal with and sort out. Holy fear will help us. Walking in faith will help us. So, some questions to ask. Don't answer them now. But am I, am I really available to God? Is my life too busy? How open do I believe I would be if the Lord asked me to do something that would make me feel uncomfortable or would cost me or would cost my family? Cost me in some way. Do I really listen to God to find out what he wants me to do? Or, more honestly, am I asking God to bless what I want to do and what I'm doing? Am I getting involved with what God's doing or am I trying to arm wrestle him to get him to do what I'm doing? Lord God, we thank you that you know us. You know every circumstance and situation of our lives. You know every thought and heart. You know our fears and concerns. You know what stops us stepping out in faith. You, you, you know what stops us walking in a holy fear. Lord, I want to be the sort of person that follows Noah's example. I want to walk with you in faith. Lord, I don't want to follow this world. I don't want to be caught up in wickedness and evil and sin. Lord, I want to be a, a preacher of righteousness by the way I live and work and speak. So Lord, help me. Help me to live in obedience to you. Help me, Lord, to have a holy fear, I pray. Amen.